Good morning, friends. Uh, We continue our little walk through the book of Proverbs. Today we're going to be looking at uh, taming the tongue. Now, Proverbs has a lot to say about what we say. In fact, the subject of the tongue and how we use our words is perhaps the preeminent theme of this book. Over 150 times, Proverbs refers to our lips, our mouth, and our tongue. One of the central issues of Proverbs is how you use it. Now, I think all of us remember reading in the book of James where it says, Though the tongue is small, it is set on, fire, the, set on fires of hell. With the same tongue, we bless the Lord and curse our friends. Now, words are important. After all, God created the universe with words. He spoke it, and it was so. In fact, Jesus was called the Word. You know John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, there are two reasons why words are important. First, because of the sheer quantity of words we use. Do you have any idea how many words you use in the course of an ordinary day? Well, according to researchers, these person will open his mouth an average of 700 times in a day, and in those 700 times, you use an average of about 18,000 words. Now, those 18,000 words would translate to about 54 printed pages. That means that in one year, an average person would fill 66 books of 800 pages each. It's no wonder Jesus said, by your words you will be condemned, and by your words you will be justified. Now, second, it's also because of the amazing power of words. With your words, you either say something worthwhile or something that is not worth anything at all. I mean, stop and think for a moment of just what a few words put together can convey. Mr. Watson, come here, I want you. Were the first words spoken over the telephone. What hath God wrought? The first words sent by Morse code over the telegraph wire. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, were spoken by Neil Armstrong, the first man on the moon. Ask not what your country can do for you, ask instead what you can do for your country. Spoken by John Kennedy at his inauguration. Or how about Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, probably the most famous words ever spoken by a president. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the principle that all men are created equal. So you see, your words are important because with your words you either say something worthwhile or something that's not worth anything at all. And so these are the words of our text this morning from Proverbs 18, verses 20 to 21. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled. With the harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, whether you know it or not, there is the power of life and there's the power of death within you. Everything you have said this week has either been life-giving or death-dealing, and there's nothing in between. The tongue has the power to kill, destroy, hurt, maim, and assassinate. Now, with that being said, let's take a look at the right uses of the tongue. Well, first, the tongue may be used for wise counsel and sound advice. Proverbs 10.31 says, The mouth of the righteous brings wisdom. Proverbs 15.7 says, The lips of the wise spread knowledge. Now, what comes out of a righteous man? Wisdom. What comes out of a wise man? Knowledge. These two things ought to be coming out of your mouth all the time. Now, I have a few friends who are like that. Every time they speak, they speak wisdom and knowledge. And some of them are people I've known 20, 30, 40 years. Some of them are people I don't really talk to very often. 
Some are just coffee shop strangers. Now, some of their people I may only talk to once every 10 years, but because they're people of wisdom and knowledge, I know that if I have not talked to them for years, I can go back and say, what do you think? And even though they haven't heard from me for a while because their lips speak wisdom and knowledge, they can say, I don't think you should do this or that, or have you thought about this? Invariably, when I talk to people like that, my life is enriched because the lips of the righteous bring forth wisdom and knowledge. So blessed are you, friend, if you have a few people in your life who can speak wisdom and knowledge to you. And blessed are you doubly if you can speak wisdom and knowledge to other people. Well, second, the tongue can speak rebuke and reproof. Proverbs 17.10 says, A rebuke impresses a man of discernment more than a hundred lashes a fool. If you find a person of understanding and you rebuke them, they'll be impressed by your rebuke more than if you find a fool and beat him with a stick a hundred times. Now, that's because a wise man or a wise a man of discernment is a person you can come up to and say, My friend, I think you're on the wrong path. I, I'm not sure about what you're doing. Before you do it, stop and think. Maybe we should talk about this a bit. Blessed is the man who has a friend who's willing to come and give you advice like that. In Proverbs 27, it also said, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. And at this point, I kind of like the King James translation a little bit better. It says, Faithful are the words of, of wounds of a friend. Better to have a friend tell you the hard truth than to have somebody try to butter you up and cover up the hard thing you need to hear. One third, the tongue may be used for encouragement. Here's a few passages. Proverbs 12:25. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Chapter 15, verse 4. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. 15:23. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. In 16:24, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul <clears throat> and healing to the bones. Now, I bet when you read that, you probably thought it was kind of metaphorical, but any medical doctor or nurse will tell you that it's not metaphoric at all. They'll tell you that whenever there is a patient who is surrounded by positive, optimistic, caring people who build him up or affirm him, that person has a much better chance of getting better and will normally recover a lot faster. When you have a patient who is off by himself and has no encouragement, who's surrounded by negative, critical, pessimistic people, that person's going to have a harder time getting better under normal circumstances. Now, why is that? It's because pleasant words bring health to the bones. But how blessed are you if you have somebody who comes alongside and uses words to lift you up. Doubly blessed if they are an encourager. Now, how many of your words this last week were words of encouragement? How many were words to build up? How many times in the last week did you find it necessary to criticize or tear down and destroy? I mean, anybody can sit in the critic's corner and just tear something down. Are you the kind of person that other people are glad to see coming into the room? Or are you the kind of person that causes other people to turn their face away? Now, one reason may be that they see you as a negative, discouraged, critical person. I mean, everybody's got troubles and problems. I mean, no one gets a free ride from earth to heaven. But how blessed you are if you use your tongue to lift and encourage the people around you. And fourth, the tongue can be used for witnessing to others. Proverbs 10.21, the lips of the righteous nourish many. So you can use your lips to bring people to God. You can use your lips to give spiritual nourishment to other people. Proverbs 
the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. That means that somebody somewhere opened their mouth and gave you the gospel. Now, you're a Christ follower because somebody shared the gospel with you. And what have you been doing to become a tree of life where you work, at your school, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your loved ones? See, by your lips, you should give such good fruit that people want and come what you, and see what you have. But how about some wrong uses of the tongue? Well, first of all, the tongue may be used for flattery. Proverbs 20:17. Food gained by fraud tastes sweet to a man, but he ends up with a mouth full of gravel. See, if you get ahead in life by buttering other people up, by telling people what you think they want to hear, what you end up is chewing on rocks. Chapter 26, 28, a lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. 28, 23, he who rebukes a man will in the end gain favor more than he who has a flattering tongue. The world tells us that you schmooze your way to the top. Butter people up, brown nose your way to the top, tell people what they want to hear. The Bible says, well, almost exactly the opposite. If you rebuke somebody in love, they will love you much more than if you give them empty, meaningless flattery. And second, the tongue may be used for quarreling. Chapter 18, verse 6. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. Like you, I hear some of those smart smart alecks on television and think, what somebody really needs to do to take that guy out behind the woodshed in the name of Jesus. And the world is full of fools. The Bible says his mouth invites a beating. Chapter 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. You'll never learn a better lesson than this. Learn to control your temper. How many of us have undergone tremendous heartache because at a crucial moment we lost our temper and spouted off when we should have kept our mouth shut? See, a fool says that since you have it inside, you must get it out. And there are a lot of times when if you must get it out, you'd be better off to go down the basement, lock the door, turn the music on real loud, and get it out where nobody can hear you. A wise man keeps himself under control. Chapter 22, verses 24 and 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. What that means uh, is that we shouldn't run around with people who act like that. If you run around with a bunch of hotheads, you're going to become a hothead yourself. The verse goes on to say, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Now, remember these words. If you keep your cool, you can't lose. If you lose your cool, you can't win. If you lose your cool now, you're going to pay for it the rest of your life. Third, the tongue may be used for gossip. Now, consider this. Chapter 10, verse 18. He who conceals his hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. 1628. A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. Chapter 17, verse 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the the matter separates close friends. That means you don't have to tell everything you know. You don't have to make everything right. You can cover over some things so you can just go on with life. In fact, here are three questions to ask yourself whenever you're tempted to tell something to someone about what somebody else has done. Ask yourself, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Now, there wouldn't be any gossip, but we just use those three questions before speaking. Now, fourth, the tongue may be used for lying. Six verses 16 to 19. 
<clears throat> gives us seven things the Lord hates. And two of them are a lying tongue and a false witness who pours out lies. 14.25, a truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. 12.19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only for a moment. And fifth, the tongue may be used to seduce the evil. Proverbs 5 talks about the lips of an adulteress. It says her lips drip with honey. 6.24, keeping you from the immoral woman or man from the smooth tongue of the wayward wife or husband. 22.14, the mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit. He who is under the Lord's wrath will fall under it. See, your tongue, which is meant to bless God, can be used to drag other people down into sin. Simple advice, don't do it. Sixth, the tongue may be used to talk too much. 10.19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. That verse is a tough one for a preacher, because quite honestly, I make my living talking. 13, verse 3, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. 17.27, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint. 17.28, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and is discerning if he holds his tongue. That means you don't have to have an opinion on everything. You don't have to comment on everything that goes by in your life. You don't have to answer every question. How blessed we would all be if we would learn to listen more and speak less. So then, well, the title of our message was Taming the Tongue. How do you, how do, you do it? Well, first of all, admit you got a problem. I mean, you're never going to be healed unless you admit there's something wrong. <clears throat> and this is an area I've struggled with because I'm paid to talk and I'm pretty good at talking because I can talk myself into and out of almost anything. I'll be honest with you, my tongue has gotten me into trouble a lot of times through some rather flippant comments or some sharp put-downs or foolish comments about people's motives. And in this sermon, I'm really preaching to myself. Second, memorize James 1.9. This is the best single verse on the tongue in the Bible. This is it. Let every person be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, you wouldn't have too many interpersonal problems anywhere if you just put that verse into practice. Third, ask a friend to hold you accountable. That means going to someone and saying, listen, i got a problem with this. If you ever hear me saying something that sounds like something that I, as a Christian, shouldn't say, don't let it pass. Be enough of a brother or sister to come to me and say, either I didn't understand what you said or I, I understood it and you shouldn't have said it. And sometimes you need a friend who loves you enough to tell you to take a time out, to not say anything else because it's bad enough already. And fourth, yield your tongue to God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, Lord, my tongue now belongs to you? Well, that's where Romans 6 comes in, talking about yielding the members of your body to God. Have you ever told the Lord, I have been using my tongue for myself. I am now going to use it for you. Here are my lips, let me speak. Here's my mouth, let my mouth speak the words that you want. Proverbs 16, verse 1 says, To a man belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord come the reply of the tongue. That verse means the tongue can be put under the Lord's control. And that's a great thought. Your tongue, which today may be set on fire, the fires of hell, may become a tongue under God's control. He can give you new lips. He can give you a new tongue. He can put new words in your mouth. He can baptize your speech. 
Now, shall we not render our tongue to him? Shall we not give him our lips? Shall we not give him our speech? Shall we not say, O Heavenly Father, here's my tongue. Let it speak only for you. Let my words lift up and not tear down. I like the old hymn of the church. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Now, the third verse of that hymn has that wonderful phrase which goes like this. Take my, take my lips and let them be filled with messages for thee. Lord, help us today and this week to yield our lips to you. And so may they be filled with messages for you. Until next time, friends, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion.